0: Hi, Ashley. How's it going? Good. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Josh. And this is the PUDS Podcast. So uh, we're here to do a little spuds. I've been talking over for at least, I don't know, the past month or so in our episodes, I think mentioning that we really wanted to do a quick episode, just doing an intro to winter hiking gear. And uh, we'll end up sort of talking about some winter hiking kind of experiences and just, uh, I guess, basically a whole myriad of topics that kind of come along with hiking in the winter and the, and the challenges that that actually brings. So uh, without further ado, I think we're just going to go on kick into it. Um, a little background with me and Ash. So I think I've done 29 out of the 48, but I think I know I've done 29 out of the 48 of the 4,000 footers in New Hampshire in the winter. Um, we've done them all in the normal season. We've already finished the normal list back in 2019. Um, I'm starting to sort of low key do the seasonal list and sort of keep track of gritting, even though I don't really consider myself a gritter at this point, I think I'm at like 111 peaks or something like that. Um, but yeah, so ash do you want to give a little bit of your background i know we had we have two really long extensive episodes on hiking the 48 and sort of our journey doing that so i uh, go back and look into those if you want to dig in more but i'll just give a high level summary since you haven't been on the podcast in a bit and talking about hiking
1: yeah so as nick mentioned we completed the entire 48 list back in september of 2019 the first time I did a winter 4,000-footer was with Nick when we were in the process of finishing that list. Yep. My first winter 4,000-footer was Wombach. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of how many I've done so far. Um, I feel like we were just talking about yeah, this. Yeah, we were. I so think you're at,
0: you're at like eight or nine, I think, because you've done like Wombeck, Hale, Cabot, Pierce. So that's four. Jackson. Jackson, five. You've done the Hancocks. So six, Seven.
1: Tomfield, Wiley.
0: Yeah, so about 10. I think that's it. I think that's all of them. Yeah, no, I think that's right. So So, yeah, I've done about 10 10 of the
1: winter, 4,000 footers. Some of them I've done only in the winter, and then some of them I've done in the winter and in another season. Um, So... Nick is definitely ahead of me, especially lately in the winter hiking. Um, It's definitely something that I feel like I kind of got like a little bit of a rude, not a rude awakening, but I was definitely humbled by the first few experiences I had doing winter hikes with what goes into it, you know, the layering, all stuff that we'll talk about today. Um, But I think as I kind of realized what you need, what you don't need, what's best. Um, winter hiking definitely has its own separate beauty to it. I know Nick has touched upon that in pre- previous episodes. Um, I mean, so that that's pretty much it for now. You know, I cool. know we'll get into it a lot more. And as detail. far as winter
0: hiking too, like I've done some of the 52 of the views. We've done a decent amount of winter hikes before we even started to really do the 48.
1: True. And Any I mean, I guess to give a little bit of a background on my experience just being outdoors in the winter in general, um, not to go too far back, but just a quick. So I grew up ever since I was like four or five years old, at least once or twice every winter season going skiing. So before we got into, you know, our yeah, hiking and mean journey. Like, and you mean like
0: going away for like a weekend or? Yeah, going and away skiing. for a not weekend. Not just like literally just skiing once or twice a year which is kind of what we do now
1: but yeah going away for a weekend so during that weekend i might ski across multiple days but like one or two separate trips per year you know since i was Mm -hmm. four or five years old um so i've kind of grown up doing things outside in the snow in the cold so but as you'll listen and hear today hiking in the winter versus skiing or doing other winter outdoor sports totally different um you know a lot more. Yeah, than there's similarities
0: two. in different things. Um those two things I was going to mention. So, I grew up ice fishing and doing stuff outside as a kid, so I think I grew up with a pretty good uh, concept of how to stay warm and stay outside, especially ice fishing like a lot of times during the day you're just chilling and not actually really doing too much true. which is difficult whereas which with is, skiing you yeah i mean it's, it's similar to skiing though when you're or snowboarding when you're sitting on a ski lift especially true. if it's outside like most places are around here you're not in like a heated tram or anything yeah so true. you're kind of freezing
1: i definitely think obviously there's different aspects with like when you go skiing obviously not when you go ice fishing necessarily but when you go skiing you have access to a lodge most of the time yeah. unless you're doing like yeah, backcountry skiing outside. i guess but like you have that option versus hiking of course like when you're out, you're out for the length of the hike.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, I was going to mention as well that we've done several of the uh, Adirondack high peaks in the winter, too. The Adirondack yes. 46. Yep. So we actually did mar- like one of our most spectacular hikes and still to this day. that I, One of the most epic undercasts I've seen besides when I was just up on Adams and Madison was when we did Marcy in January of 2021, I think.
1: Yeah, January had, 2021.
0: Absolutely insane undercast. But yeah, we've done like Marcy... Um, I've done Phelps Tabletop and I've done Upper and Lower Wolfjaw, um, and I did that last winter in February twenty twenty three, and that was absolutely one of my most difficult winter hikes and hikes in general I've ever done. Um, so shout out to the Adirondacks; those two peaks are seriously crazy peaks, especially doing them in wet snow with uh, wet snow falling down on me. That was a hell of a hike, and yeah, it'll be memorable breaking my way out to Upper Wolfjaw, that would, <laughs> to say the least, in a in a good way after the fact but it was it was a real bitch to get up there in the winter
1: yeah um, and i would yeah. definitely have to say marcy i mean not that i've done as many winter hikes but it definitely sticks out to me as my favorite winter hike that i've done um when i didn't i did phelps because i didn't make it to you did tabletop, tabletop you that's right i phelps. did tabletop i didn't make it to phelps i was actually very early on in my pregnancy with rylan <laughs> yes. when i did that hike um would not recommend um doing a strenuous hike while pregnant obviously you know there were some things i did talk to my doctor before i went i had had my initial appointment and he had said since i was in hiking shape yeah, you already did that a bunch. it's something i've already done my body's familiar with it he said just listen to your body but you know as far as i'm concerned you're fine so i mean it worked out. It was yeah, great. And we, did, but we didn't separate for that not necessarily long. Something like, I'd recommend. We
0: don't like it. I mean, I very rarely separate from groups when I'm hiking. Like I, that's generally bad practice. You shouldn't do it. But we hiked together a lot. And I think I was maybe a quarter mile from the summit of Phelps and I bolted up and then back down we were, within you about weren't very far. I was gone for like 20 minutes, maybe.
1: Yeah. And I kind of just paced back and forth trying to stay warm yeah. while he did that. Yeah.
0: So right. I didn't and want we, to and, not do it. And we had our walkie talkies on us.
1: We did. We never had to use them from what I remember. No, we didn't
0: have to, but we had them so we could communicate if we really needed to. Um, But yeah, anyways, so uh, that's just some background on us and our winter hiking experience and sort of experiences as kids doing stuff. Um, So I kind of broke this down into sort of a little list of uh, just what I could think logically to group things. So the first thing I was going to talk about is sort of what you get dressed in. We'll start with what you actually put on your person when you go hiking and uh, what I'll typically throw on in the winter. So as far as what I wear, I generally um, wear this base layer, which is a 250 gram, I believe it's 250 weight, smart wool, like top shirt. It's almost like a thermal shirt, but made out of wool. Um, their stuff is really expensive. Like I totally get that with people, but... I love them. They wick moisture super well. And for the price I am wearing this one right now, I'm literally wearing it as we record the podcast, but I have an older one that I finally accidentally ripped, but I've had it for probably like six or seven years. And I go walking and running in this like year round in the winter and hiking in it. Um, so I'll wear that base layer as my top, um, As far as bottom, I can get away with just insulated like hiking pants. I have REI ones. I used to have EMS ones that I used to use all the time until I ripped them in the butt last year, butt sliding down somewhere and finally had to get it. People were sick at looking at duct tape on my butt and stuff. Um but I'll wear those. Some people will wear um leggings and stuff underneath. I run really warm when I hike. Like I've hiked in these pants already in weather in a wind chill that was like around negative twenty, and I was perfectly fine. Um, other people, your mileage may vary, but that's what I wear. I have 400 gram insulated Keen Revel boots. I forget which model the rebel there are. Um, they've worked really well for me. I usually don't have to wear toe warmers unless it's really cold. I'll throw those in. Um, it's important to remember too, when you're putting on, like a lot of people will think to just put on extra socks when you're putting your boots on but you need to have good circulation in your feet and your hands. If your feet are actually really tight and constricted in a boot, it actually limits your blood flow and can make your feet in turn colder. So maybe not something you, you think right off the bat, but with the, with those keen rebel boots, like I can wear like just darn tough socks or sort of winter smart wool socks. And usually my feet are pretty fine. They might get cold and you'll end up losing feeling here or there, depending on how long you're out hiking. And if you have snowshoes on or different things like that, um, But that's pretty much it. So that's pretty much what my got my feet covered, my pants, um, my shirt. And then typically I'll wear either a fleece vest over my shirt or I'll wear, I actually have a newer Arcteryx. I don't know what material it's made from probably like wool and synthetic stuff vest that I wear over my chest. And um, I also will, this year I kind of started doing this. I should have been doing this for a while, but I'll wear typically just a wool hat and I wear like thin liner gloves and I'll actually swap out. When I get to the top of the summit, when I hike like into something drier, when I know I'm not going to exert myself and get sweaty. So I've started doing that this year. Um, and that's pretty much what I'll keep. And I try to crack some hand warmers and usually put them in my pockets is another trick I usually try to do just so I have them in case I need them. So, um, so that's generally what I wear. That's what i when I'm hot hiking, it can be like five or ten degrees out. I can pretty much hike in that and be comfortable. Again, it's it it's a lot of layering up and layering down, which we'll chat a little bit about, but uh what do you usually wear, Ash, when you go out?
1: So for the girl hikers out there, um so maybe what we can do too, now that I'm thinking of it, let me know if you what you think. Maybe we can link in the show description some of the products that we use. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: I'll I'll throw those in the description. So that way, we're not sponsored
1: by any of these products, but just things that maybe people who are looking to start winter hiking and it's overwhelming sometimes. It's easy to get caught up in like the name brands and what's really the best. So we can definitely link. Maybe a couple things that we talked about that we use. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll go
0: through and kind of do. I'll I'll put the list. Like I got my pack stuff and all that, and um, we'll throw that in the episode description so you can refer to that.
1: Yeah. So for what I wear, um, not very different from what Nick is wearing, what he just described. So for my base layer, um, I tend to always wear leggings and then a long sleeve shirt. So, the material that I use is the smart wool material um yeah, just like, are your
0: leggings smart wool leggings?
1: Yes, I have smart so I have a couple different things um typically, though, I like to wear my smart wool leggings. It's a whole set that I have, which I can find like something yeah. similar to that we can link. but I have a whole set that I wear where it's smart wool leggings. And then it's smart wool long sleeve top. Yeah,
0: similar. I'm pretty sure it's a 250 like I've got.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not very good with knowing exactly what kind, but, um, and it's very fitted to me. It's, you almost want it to be, you don't want it to be loose. The idea is that you want, you don't don't want to be uncomfortable, but you want it to fit snugly to you. Um, So I'll wear that. I also have um, a couple other thicker pairs of leggings. They're not smart wool. Um, I had a pair of underarm, underarm. under armor brand leggings that i had i'm not even gonna lie since i was like 16 17 and i wore them for years and years and years they weren't the smart wool material but they were a nice thick like spandex material so sometimes i would wear those i also still have an under armor long sleeve moisture wicking top that has like a fleece lining to it that i'll sometimes Mm -hmm. wear as a base as well um As for my feet, I tend to wear wool, um, smart wool, or darn tough socks. Um, Typically, I only wear one layer of socks. Every once in a while, if it's going to be a really cold day, I'll wear one layer of smart wool socks. I'll put a toe warmer in, kind of sandwiched in between, and then I'll wear a second sock. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, if you're doing that, you want to make sure that your boots are not going to be too tight, like Nick said. But um, for the most part, I'll wear one wool wool sock either smart wool or darn tough are really good brands um and then i will wear a base glove and then i've personally always been a mitten fan like ever since i was a kid skiing i've always loved mittens over gloves so i'll wear the base layer glove then i'll wear like a mitten over Mm -hmm. it um and you can buy some really nice mittens too that like have like the long like straps on them. So you can actually just have them hanging from your wrists when you're not wearing them, but they're easy access mm-hmm. to put on your hands. Um, and then for my head, um, I wear a couple different things. So I'll. Yeah.
0: One, and you can mention, try to keep it to the, what I was trying to say, because we're just going to talk about more stuff later, but what you like start out hiking. Okay. in Cause well, so I didn't get into mittens and things like that. That's definitely what yet. I start
1: out in for my head. What I typically like to do is I notice me personally, I mean, you'll kind of learn as you go, everyone's different. But what I've learned is I tend to get warm where I don't want a full hat, maybe not until we get to the top Mm. or if I'm stopping for a long period of time. But I really like a um, almost like I have a couple of them. They're like thick, um, almost like headbands, um, and it covers my ears. So like, most of my head is exposed, yeah. but my ears yeah. stay covered um, and it keeps my hair out of my face. All of that. It catches any sweat that might be coming from my head. Mm-hmm. So I usually will start off in something like that, but I'll always bring a hat in case I need it. But I typically don't start off in a hat. If I do, it's very short lived. I usually end up taking it off.
0: Yeah, I wanted to say, too, I think you've got like 400 gram insulated oboes boots or your bunch yes. of boots that you use. Yeah. Um, And kind of along with the topic of layering, um, I did want to talk a little bit about heat management and how important that is when you're winter hiking. So when you hear what we wear, um, when we're starting a hike, um, you always want to start, you're better off starting cold and getting hot than starting off. Cause you're, I mean, it's very typical in the winter, like, especially if you're hiking in the morning, it might be below zero even depending where you're going, especially up in New Hampshire. Um, so it's, it's very intriguing to want to stack on all this clothing, especially if you've been sitting in a warm car for like three hours and you get out, it's uh, kind of tough adjusting sometimes, but you don't want to end up getting super sweaty. Cause when you get sweaty, the, the moisture basically is causing and combined with the cold air is going to cause you to get a lot colder. So a lot of winter hiking is making sure that anytime that you're getting hot on the trail, you're trying to manage that sweating as much as you can. And If you're like me, like I, I get super sweaty. Not as sweaty as some people, and I'm sure, and I know there's people that don't sweat as much as me, but my back and my chest get super sweaty. Um, So typically, if I'm going uphill, like in the winter, like I I might be getting cold in some flat spots to the point that I even want to throw on a puffy or my vest, but I'll end up ripping off my vest and everything, and I'll be hiking just in like this smart wool shirt and like gloves and a hat. A lot of times, when you're warm going uphill, like your body, I believe I read a statistic where it's it's something rough, like when you're Actually, moving around your body generates almost three times the amount of heat that it does when it's at rest. So
1: your body's very efficient at keeping you warm. Yeah,
0: you you don't notice it. I think all the time. I mean, obviously you sweat and stuff, but it's very evident when you're in a really cold environment how your body temperature and how hot you are and how much heat your body's producing fluctuates. So the idea is to trap that heat when you need to trap it and need to stay warm, and then to let out that heat when you don't want it to stick around. Like you, the last thing you want is to be super sweaty and you're going to be hot and stuff. And then you, maybe you you, we're say like, you're inexperienced and you don't really know what you're doing. A lot of people wind up getting super sweaty and they'll get to a summit and the winds howling and they're out above tree line. And all of a sudden they're freezing their ass off, frankly. And it's like, you need to layer up and sort of accommodate and plan for that. Like you're going to get very cold quickly, especially if the temperature is like, around five or 10 degrees or even in the teens and it's windy and the feels like might be negative 15 negative 20 like it's amazing how quickly you can go from sweating to being absolutely freezing cold and starting to lose feeling in your hands um again not trying to deter people from trying to winter hike or something it's just something to be aware of you don't want your first experience um to be losing feeling in your hands for like an hour when you're at when you're out there it's it's not going to make for an enjoyable experience
1: and yeah. and it definitely
0: can happen, so.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And to kind of add a little bit from that, a couple things. So one thing I did forget to mention when I was talking about my base layer and kind of like what I start out in, in addition, unless it's a milder day, if it's like a typical winter hike, cold day, single digits, teens, whatever, I'll typically start off, in addition to what I described earlier, I'll also wear, um, I have this like Patagonia fleece like pullover, um that I'll usually also start in and then that's usually once we start moving more usually within the first like 30 minutes or so I'm usually taking that off yeah, yeah. um so that's another thing that I start in I always recommend to like I think have things accessible to you too yeah that's important so like if you for example you might not need so if you have like your um like we'll when we get to the top which we might get into more later so i don't want to jump too ahead but i won't necessarily have my hard shell jacket as accessible as like my fleece pullover yeah. for example so like my fleece pullover i might keep at the very top of my bag so if i kind of go back and forth and i'm like oh i'm kind of cold again i can easily throw that on um, but i can also easily take it off and just keep it in the top of my bag so keeping things accessible and how you're going to use them too for sure
0: yeah that that's a perfect segue it's almost like you're you knew that i was going to lead into this next and we didn't really talk about it that much ahead of time wow Look but um yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to go into what's in my pack and what I carry in the winter and and like you were saying one part of that I didn't get into specifics of the layers of where I throw stuff in my backpack that might actually change depending on the day and what I know the weather's going to be like but that's definitely a thing especially if you carry more around the size packs that we do um yours is a little bit bigger so first of all um my backpack that has become most of mostly my four season hiking pack I will take out a gregory I believe it's a 56 liter or 55 liter that I have downstairs sometimes in the winter, or depending if we're hiking with a lot of people, and I need to carry extra stuff for people because I feel bad if they don't hike a ton. And I've had that happen before, where like our dads, where I carried like extra water and stuff, and I was basically a pack mule. But um, doesn't happen as much as it used to. I don't make them do that. I can't remember, <laughs> no, no, no. But um, I have an Osprey Talon 33 liter backpack. Um, the thing that really drew me to this pack, and I've, I think I've been using it for three years now is that it has straps on it for snowshoes that um, I'm able to cinch down my 25-inch MSR Evo Ascents um, pretty easily. It's uh, it's kind of a battle to get water in the sides with snowshoes over it, but I digress. It it works well for me. I find that it's just about big enough to hold everything I need in the winter, and I feel comfortable with it. It's got straps on it and a bunch of different places to hang stuff off of if you got carabiners and stuff. So, uh, yeah, and I think you have an Osprey stratus 38 or something like that i'm trying to yeah, think what it. it's a 38 right. liter backpack it's I a little know. bit bigger than yours which
1: yeah. i uh, think at the time when i was looking at backpacks i decided i opted just to get one of like a little bit bigger yeah
0: I yeah i know. forget check, check i think the, the sizing the is a little people, weird but i know it's a but. 38 liter for sure okay yeah, yeah, it's yeah a 38 liter. that sounds
1: about right yeah it's a great backpack though it fits i've never had any issues with space or fitting what i need
0: yeah um, and what I keep in my pack and I tried my best not to forget anything. So, uh, so I might actually think of a few things as I'm going through this, but, um, I keep, and this is, this is what I carry in the winter too. Keeping with the winter theme. Um, a lot of this stuff I do carry three seasons. I'm not going to specify like what I carry three seasons and what I don't like a lot of times I'm carrying spikes in my bag, like six or seven months out of the year when you're hiking. Cause it's just ice in the white sometimes. Um, but anyways, emergency bivy. So these are super cheap to get. If you really need one and you have to use it, it should be in your bag. It's one of those things. Um, I personally don't carry a sleeping bag. I know there's tons of people that do in the winter, um, by my thought process. And it may be incorrect. I'm. this is just me and friends I have who winter hike and stuff. Like I generally, um, try to have enough clothing in my backpack. And I also carry a a pad that's big enough to at least sit on and sort of lay on. That I do stuff into my pack as well. I actually keep it in the water bladder spot most of the time. Um, But between those two things, I always figure that and clothing, I'll at least buy myself some time. If God forbid I'm ever stuck out in the winter, and I've got a lot of layers, hand warmers, I got something to keep myself off the ground, which I think is very important. And then I've got the bibby if I really ever had to use it. So those are sort of the part of the emergency things, but that's the first two things that came to mind. So um, yeah, I've had emergency bivy. I keep a med kit sort of bag with your basic like gauze and stuff like in that. I kind of add and take away stuff and I need to get a splint. And there's a couple other things I think I have on sort of mental list that I'd like to also get in my pack because in case you need to use them. But just a basic med kit. I actually have like some like ankle wraps and like different things. So like if you sprain your ankle where you could wrap that or I have like a little knee like a sort of not foam, but like mesh material knee brace um i just carry those things in there as well and they've usually stayed in there um let's see what else we got in here so then i carry an extra headlamp and goggles i think uh slasher's always saying that one headlamp or two headlamps is as good as one headlamp or i forget or one headlamp is useless kind of deal but i always carry an extra headlamp with fresh batteries in it or i'll swap them out not all the time but enough that it works and i make sure it works um I also will carry extra goggles at the bottom of my pack in the winter if I'm planning on going above treeline. This is kind of a, if you look at like any winter recommendations, a lot of people will tell you to bring two goggles, but I experienced firsthand why. And the deal is that if when you're kind of expending a lot of moisture and you're above treeline and the wind's blasting you and it's very cold, your goggles can actually frost up pretty easily and it actually becomes really difficult to see, if not almost impossible. I had this happen to me on Eisenhower back in 21 i think or 22 when i climbed into january on a very cold day um yeah i was basically breaking tree line to get it on at eisenhower after doing pierce and my goggles started frost up enough that i actually had difficulty seeing where i was going so thankfully it was a clear day and nothing happened but i will never go above tree line anywhere ever again in cold weather and not carry an extra pair of goggles because if i just had an extra pair i could have swapped it out really easily if it was snowy and it was a whiteout like it would not have been great for me and my ability to see for sure. So I always carry an extra pair of goggles in the bottom of my pack if I'm going above tree line in the winter now. And then, um, and you can chi- feel free to chime in too with some of these clothing items, Ash, cause you started to mention what you put on. So, um, there's a pretty commonality, um, between what most people carry in the winter packs as far as layers. Um, some people will keep like a, soft shell or a fleece layer kind of jacket i don't really go with that i usually have a fleece vest that i carry in my pack as well
1: i'm more of a full i do like a fleece like pullover
0: yeah but um anyways you got your hard shell which there's many versions of these i have an arcteryx gore-tex one I think you have a Patagonia Gore-Tex one. I
1: do, yeah. I have a Patagonia, which I know, like Patagonia has that reputation of kind of being very expensive. Yeah, our but Teryx is very pricey too. too.
0: We got both of ours on on yes, sale. Yes, I was going to say my fleece that I always R- wear, R-
1: yeah. my Patagonia like fleece, I wear over my base layer and then my Howard shell. were both on sale, and honestly, like best money I could have yeah. spent. Like,
0: yeah, I don't know. We both got really good deals on like it was in like the middle of the summer at REI. I think yeah, shop the
1: sales kind of look look Still during like those off time of years if you hey it's yeah. you're saving money any any little bit and helpful. i mean you
0: can get away with a, a lot of people will just get normal um i want to say like some of my stuff is just rei stuff but the arteric shell i did spend money on and i've been really happy with that um your shell is basically the function of that is it's kind of what you're going to be wearing when you break tree line or it, if you're on block a very wind. windy, it blocks the wind out it traps heat around your body um typically you've got a hood and sort of a zip that usually come pretty much up to your chin and so just like a very little area of your face is actually exposed
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um so yeah shell layer is kind of always that always is going to stay in your pack in the winter like that's never going to come out
1: and it doesn't take up a lot of space it honestly typically fold down it's like the spatial equivalent of like having like a windbreaker in your bag it really doesn't take up much space at all it's not like a big heavy winter jacket that you might wear. Yeah. It's like a heavy, you can think of it almost like a else.
0: really heavy rain jacket yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. But it's, it's main yeah. function is to break wind and just a whole heat in and it doesn't let out. Like in my Arterics, uh shell is very, very warm. Yeah. Most, day, most days, most um, days, even if it's really cold, I have a, I will have like my smart wool and a fleece and like literally that on. And that's it. When yeah. I get warm. Me too. <laughs> so. I usually
1: have my smart wool base layer, my fleece and then my hard shell. And yeah. I've very rarely been super cold at the top when I've had those on.
0: Yeah. Um, next, I carry a puffy jacket. This is just an REI brand one. I don't know what the weight is, but it's like a synthetic down jacket. Um, very warm, very toasty. One thing that I have noticed with this one in particular is that it does rip pretty easily on stuff. I mean, I've had it for four or five years, but. Um, I've been patching it together with duct tape and some different stuff. Um, I, do have, I do have a brand new Patagonia, um, Patagonia, I said like Panagonia, Patagonia, Patagonia uh, Nano Puff that I haven't used yet. I'm kind of like saving it because it's like new and fresh. I'll probably break it out like next year or, or something. Um, but yeah, I have an REI Puffy jacket. Your Puffy's like, I don't know, again, it's, it's another sort of layer. A lot of times if it, it, it's more like I'm wearing my Puffy if it's not super windy or i'm not exposed if i'm just in the woods stopped or i might be stopped doing something like when i was filming when i was on the kinsman's on bald peak like i just threw on my puffy because it's just it's a nice warm layer and it'll warm me up quick another thing that packs down very well usually in your pack if you squeeze the air out of like it doesn't take up much room they don't weigh much either
1: i personally don't have a puffy maybe it's something i'll invest in at some point i know i even if we're not going to be above tree line i'll typically bring my hard shell jacket um but what I'll if I feel like I might need more than those three layers, um, I'll pretty much I mean, I shouldn't even say if I think I need more, I pretty much always pack an additional pullover fleece of some kind. And then I'll also bring um, a second base layer shirt, um, whichever one I don't have on. Mm-hmm. So if I don't have on my smart one, I will bring my Under Armour one. Yep. So I'll kind of compensate by doing that. Um, Maybe at some point I'll look into getting like a puffy. But Mm. even when I ski now, I just wear my hard shell and it's I've been perfectly fine. So,
0: yeah, I mean, for, for the record, like I've never really had to wear like my smart wool shirt, a vest and my puffy and a shell yeah and plus I've never, like hat gloves baklava, i've never stuff had to like, put hat, on baklama. a second
1: fleece over my fleece and then a hard shell yeah. it's honestly like nick said it's just good to have extra clothing if one thing gets yeah really again wet don't or don't like take
0: our word for it or blame us if you still feel cold on a mountain and you're wearing all that stuff but like for for real that crazy cold stretch we had last year like i walked around our neighborhood and i think it was that was like the morning it was around zero degrees or two degrees and it was windy and super cold and like i think i wore the puffy underneath my shell that day now that i think of it but like I was just walking and not hiking and that day was very very cold. Yeah. Like it was it was approximate to probably how it's going to feel when you're on a winter peak a lot of times. That particular day. But um yeah. But yeah, yeah one, like th- those shells are super warm and
1: They are, yeah. And if I'm, you
0: it's all just about layering.
1: Exactly. And I mean, I wear my shell for skiing, I mentioned um I'll even wear it running or walking around yeah. our neighborhood sometimes. So Yeah, it's, you
0: wear yours a lot more common. use. like I pretty much just break
1: out it's my technical multi- shell. Sorry, multi-functional. Hiking. Um, I'll wear it to work sometimes if it's kind of like rainy and raw out. Um, so it's definitely very useful to have, I mean, I pretty much always pack an extra of everything that I already have on. So in addition to like another base layer and a fleece, um, pullover, I'll also pack another pair of leggings. And then I usually always pack another extra pair or two of socks as yeah. well, just yeah. in case I get wet or too sweaty and I need to quickly change something mm-hmm. out or put something over it.
0: Yeah. That kind of goes into my next thing. So I, I think I already mentioned, but, um, I have sort of an Arcterics vest that I use, but I have a fleece, an older fleece vest that's actually from like, it's like a golf clothing wear company, but it's warm and it's fleece synthetic. It's, it's pretty good stuff. Um, I think your dad actually gave that to me a while back. So I keep, I keep that extra in my pack as well as sort of another thing I can throw on. Um, and then you were just talking about some extra stuff, but I always carry an extra wool hat basically. And then I stuff in, some type of gloves whether smart wool gloves or like rei gloves just extra dry gloves that i don't plan on using unless something's gone wrong if i'm tapping into those things like i should not or be if tra-
1: you trip and fall and your hand goes yeah, right yeah. in the snow and yeah, your hands get exactly. wet it's just um, it's good to have yeah
0: that's true um and then i carry extra socks in there and then i also carry smart wool leggings that i figured like if again that that's like backup scenario like i'd hope to, never have to Break out those leggings in the winter and put those on underneath my pants because <laughs> it's probably because I'm gonna be sleeping or staying outside in it for a while and I didn't plan on it. Um, so I carry those. Another thing um, that I did want to throw in here is your hike safe card. Visit them if you hike in New Hampshire. Get a hike safe card. It sort of goes towards fishing, game, and presumably if you have that card and you have everything on you that you should and all the essentials um you shouldn't get fined in the event that you do need a rescue so it's to a good cause it doesn't cost that much money i think of it like I, I fish and stuff so i end up buying a fishing license every year to me i see it like a sort of hiking license and again that's just for new hampshire that does that but go find them online if you just search hike safe new hampshire it comes out but and they do family ones. so they're like you're actually year, you're right? actually on mine yeah they're annual and you're online even because they do family ones for like an extra five bucks or something stupid. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, not really a gear thing, but just something I carry with me all the time. Um, as far as devices um, to track me and sort of use to communicate, I would say most places in uh, at least at the popular peaks and the whites, like you're probably going to have cell service. Um, your mileage may vary depending on your carrier, or at least I'll say you'll have service probably at least when you're on the summits. I even had uh, service on the summit of Owl's Head, which was kind of interesting, <laughs> but interesting. Uh, not fantastic, but to get a text message out once you go below like 3,500 feet, though, it was like game over or even shortly off the summit. Um, but on that topic, I carry a Garmin inReach Mini that um, friend does, friends of the podcast, Mike and Lori, have let me borrow. I think it's actually Mike's, but it's been on long-term loan to me, I think, for the past two years now. Um, so thanks, guys, for letting me borrow this thing and continue to use it. But it's a Garmin inReach Mini. Um, the most of the time I've used this is just to communicate with you when I've been by myself and I'm in a no-sell-service area, um, a.k.a. The high peaks region of the adirondacks like there's not really great cell service at least i haven't seen a lot in my experience um but it allows you actually to connect to your phone basically with bluetooth and using an app you can actually send out text messages it does other things this is just what i happen to use it for um and i carry it mainly because i had been doing a decent amount and do still do a decent amount of solo hiking so it's just a nice thing to have to communicate with you if i need to and just to have on me as an SOS sort of featuring the event that I did need to use it.
1: Yeah, I always have, it always gives me peace of mind when I know that you have that with you, like yeah. on if on the occasions you are alone.
0: And a lot of people carry those. Um, I mean, when I was hiking a few weeks ago, I saw a must have seen 20 or 30 across the day. So there, there's multiple devices that do the same thing. Um, and again, that it does a lot more than what I'm just mentioning it does, but that's what I use it for. And that's generally what I carry. And I carry that on me year round too. That's not just a winter thing. Um so we'll continue we'll come back i had food on here but we'll come back to food oh just a few food's other food's things i wanted to topic. add to
1: yeah sure for my stuff yeah. um i don't want to be too redundant for no, what you already no mentioned. it's fine
0: i still have a decent amount of stuff to go through but oh do you do you want to just wait and see yeah i have like not like a ton but
1: i was gonna just mention like i also do like an extra hat i usually pack at least two yeah. hats an extra pair of gloves sometimes i'll even pack an extra pair of mittens um i'm trying to think if there's anything else clothing wise that i'll sometimes pack Oh, this isn't necessarily something you'd bring on the hike, but I always highly recommend having a comfortable pair of shoes waiting for, for you <laughs> yeah, in your car. That's true. And for a when change of clothes. Finish the hike. A yes, and potentially a change of winter. clothes.
0: Especially if you're driving up for a day hike and driving yes. home. Keep change another of change of clothes, and clothes and a nice pair someplace. of comfy Fantastic. shoes. Yeah, Crocs, yeah. slippers, no, whatever. A pertinent thing. In the car. <laughs> yeah.
1: You'll be glad you did.
0: Yeah, you will. Okay. Um, so what else I had typically in the winter, I carry two liters of water. Um, I need to get some new insulating things for them because I've, I've had these neoprene ones and actually had them freeze up when I did the Kinsman's and it was actually really cold and it was enough to like, I'm like, I need to buy other things. But in the meantime, what I've been doing, which has been working for the last two hikes, um, even though Adams and Madison wasn't particularly cold is, uh, just putting them in those neoprene socks and then actually just wrap, like putting them in an old wool sock, which has worked perfectly well
1: gives an extra so out when
0: we did owl's head it was pretty cold um we were out probably long enough where i would have started to see ice up i would think if uh i didn't have it insulated a little bit better so that was cool um in my water i've actually been using liquid iv lately which has been not a, i don't want to say it's a game changer <laughs> like it was a ridiculous thing but i noticed that i'm way more hydrated on trail frankly i noticed that i'm pee, peeing more <laughs> throughout the day um i try to load up both of those two liters with with uh Hydration packs of some sort. Oh,
1: and speaking of peeing, this might be more for the girls, the hiker, hiking girls. So I always pack with me um, a thing of like water wipes um, just in case. Obviously, it's... When Would you... those
0: freeze in the winter?
1: I've never had an issue with oh, okay. it. I keep them at the very bottom of my pack, oh, Okay, <laughs> wrapped in all my clothes. Huh. Okay. But I usually always pack those. That's honestly something I pack year-round I just feel like it's nice and then I just bring like an extra baggie to put them in if I need it. Yeah. Um, And tissues. Tissues in chapstick as well. I know those are kind of like miscellaneous yeah. things. I don't want to be all over and, the place. And
0: remember well. that you're bringing a Ziploc baggie or something with yes. them to put you in because leave no trace. Don't leave Always that, bring don't leave that shit on the ground after Don't a baggie for your you tissues
1: it. and, you know.
0: Yeah. Your, it might be gross or even if you poop when and you you're put toilet there, paper on there, like bring, if, a, bring you a can't you got to take it out with you. So Yes. I don't I know think if that was get, too I think topic. I, I think but. after having a young child, I'm way less grossed out about stuff like that now yeah. than I used to I'm be. I'm just saying, though, it's yeah. good to
1: always have, like, the water wipes make you feel just a little bit cleaner, yeah. you know, if you need to wipe at all down there. Um, but definitely make sure you keep them in the warmest part of your pack, obviously. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. But yeah. those are just some other quick things cool. I thought of.
0: So in my pack, I also carry a compass, which um, I have taken one navigation class from REI. Would I probably be super reliable at using a a compass in an emergency situation other than kind of getting a periphery of my directions and stuff probably not like i don't think i'd be setting a point like again i'll freely admit like we're probably due to go back and actually use a was super
1: interesting to learn about but i feel like i forgot all of it already
0: yeah i mean i i actually have so i do have a piece of paper i keep my pack that they actually gave us at that but i think in a situation where i was really needing to use it i probably wouldn't be clear hidden enough to like actually just be like to get to get out of an emergency situation there's probably other logical things i'd think about first like which direction did i come from can i determine that first Um, but i do carry a compass um hope to get more adept with that in the future and try some bushwhacks with people that know what they're doing or maybe take a class or something we did do a bushwhack uh, technically like a sort of bushwhack class in rhode island so it's not like it was anywhere crazy it was still very interesting but we had to though. set like a bearing point yeah and sort of do it stuff. wasn't
1: honestly that complicated once we got to like practice it but yeah. i feel like if you don't, you use, don't it, use it you lose it yeah. <laughs> like i don't remember yeah. how to do it no, that's
0: well said well said um, so in addition to your compass, I always carry a map of some sort. There's a bunch of generic waterproof maps that you can carry of the white mountains of the 48, 4,000 footers. I always try to make sure I either have a copy of that map, or obviously if I'm hiking the Adirondacks, I'm taking a waterproof copy of an Adirondack map, or if we're in Maine, I'm taking a waterproof copy of that. So I always have a map that's at least got the trails that we're planning on doing that day on it. Uh, Paper copy, a lot of people will actually use a trick and print it on photo paper or something that's waterproof, like waterproof paper is a thing you can get laminate for your printer. It. Laminate it. Um, just stuff to keep it dry because it's it's probably gonna get wet if you're hiking through the snow. And it's or and even if it's not snowing that day, you're gonna be going through trees a lot of times that have snow on them and you're gonna end up probably getting wet at some your point. Your hands are gonna damp. be sweaty. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. So this is kind of also getting into the extra stuff that you're throwing in there that you plan on on using. This, I think I'm through most of my, like, sort of auxiliary stuff. Um, but extra liner gloves, I usually carry a pair or two. Liner gloves are sort of the, the thin gloves that you're going to be wearing under your mittens, presumably. Or just thin, like you think of, like, running gloves. Like, they're not very heavy gloves.
1: Ones that you can text with are ideal. Yeah.
0: I was literally... You took the words out of my mouth. Um, I think I have a couple different pairs of liner gloves. I have some... I think they're, like... I do get... Them for me but the ones that i love they're like z packs like possum gloves but they're like some sort of synthetic wool and like legitimately like possum for a mix those <laughs> things were insane they were really good at conducting uh i guess for your your hands to be able to text and stuff and um, you want
1: to keep your hands warm that's probably one of yeah. the most important your hands and your feet
0: <laughs> yeah and i mean noted that w- when your hands and your feet get cold why that happens when you're really cold is because your body with the way it works um and you're secondary nervous system, whatever they call it, like, basically, as you get colder your body starts to go into a pseudo-survival mode where it sends all the blood to your core. So that's like your brain and your heart and your the lungs. The important and all. Parts. The important stuff, you can live without your hands. You can't live without your vital organs. So when you get cold, the first sign of being cold, and significantly cold, it, when your blood starts sucking blood from your hands or your feet, like it means you need to do something to warm yourself up. Whether that means you need to move just to generate some heat or put on another layer that's going to depend on the situation and where you are on the trail. But that's the literal reason for why your hands and your feet start to get cold. It's pulling your body's pulling blood from your extremities towards your core. Um, so we got liner gloves, um, particular brands. So I mentioned that z Packs one. I think I just have like REI liner gloves and some other I just off use brands. REI ones. And like Ash said, um, if you want to use your phone and stuff, make sure that the touch things work. And even a lot of times if they say the touch things work well, they, they don't work that well. You almost so need to
1: like try, try them on it in yeah. the store and test them out.
0: Yeah. And yeah, that's the best thing I was just about to say is just test them out if you can. And if it's online, test them before you actually need to use them. And I mean, I've learned to, um, I have REI sort of. They're not like an in between. They're like thicker gloves, but um, the touch works awesome on them because I've been using them with my camera and stuff in the cold and yeah, I haven't had the brand. Yet.
1: I have to double check which brand I have. They might just be REI, but they work great. Because again, I wear these running, walking. Um, if I need to like, you know, pick a podcast or change the song I'm listening to, I can do that without taking off my gloves. It's also nice too when you're hiking if you want to take pictures. There's beautiful scenery yeah. in winter hiking, but sometimes it's not wise to take your gloves off to take a picture. So, no. um,
0: No, I mean, and yeah, when people talk about liner gloves, that's something I didn't mention is typically if the, if the wind's really cold and stuff, like you really don't want to be taking off your gloves or if you are for very brief periods of time. I
1: honestly keep my liner gloves on for most of the hike, unless my hands are like getting really hot, but
0: yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's really cold, you're not going to really be wanting to take them off much at all.
1: Even when you're eating like,
0: so you want really like, ideally you want very fitted suit, like semi warm, um, liner gloves. And typically they're thin enough so that you can actually just throw on your mittens, which the mitten is act, mittens are actually the next item that I had on here. So um, mittens are you know, always inherently warmer than gloves because your fingers are all together in one section, um, and they're typically a little bit thicker. They're more awkward, and you can't do as much stuff with mittens on. Um, so that's why, like Ash was saying, if you can get mittens with straps on them or something that hang from your arms, those are kind of awesome. Um, mine just have like mine are just I think black diamond mittens. And they have little Velcro straps so I can like at least strap them on my, they're made to like strap on your, um, sort of, I guess where the ratchet, whatever you call it, like the, the tab you'll have on the end of the sleeves on your jacket yeah. to be able to tie them easily sleeves.
1: accessible. You don't yeah, want to have to be digging made, through your bag. They're made for to them.
0: Velcro onto there so that you can at least keep them, but they're made so like you can just put them on when you're, when you're not doing stuff. Say like you, you're just hiking on trail, you have them on above tree line to keep your hands nice and warm. You want to snap a picture quickly, just take the mitten off. And, like, get your camera phone, snap the picture, put your mitten right back on. And another thing I like to do is put hand warmers in my mittens at yes. the start of the hike. Because then
1: you can kind of, like, hold your hands yeah. together, grip the, and, uh, like the hand warmer. And I mean, warmer.
0: I've gone through hikes, too, where I, I haven't used my mittens much. So, like, the hand warmers are sitting in there. But, like, hand warmers, to me, they're not that expensive. No. Um, it's good to just have them ready to go in case you need, need them, pretty much. I pretty
1: much always have them in my pockets, in my mittens, and in my socks yeah. like in my, sh- on and, um, top of my socks. one
0: of the newer pairs of they're actually outdoor research liner gloves I got they actually came as a set with liner gloves and, she- and a shell and they actually have a pocket on them on the back of your hand literally made to put a hand warmer or some sort of chemical warmer mm, in which cool. are pretty cool that was there's, my there's so presents. many different
1: types of gloves out there yeah. but I think the biggest takeaways are
0: you probably want mints. <laughs> mittens <laughs> the biggest takeaway.
1: and then for your base layer gloves <coughs> you want to be able to text and do things like that yeah, in them
0: for sure All right, um, that kind of covers, I think we covered all the hand stuff (laughs) that that you can probably use. Um, The next thing is, uh, I believe it's pronounced baklava. Pause podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm just going through editing this. So me and Ash, forgive us, we totally butchered the word balaclava. Balaclava is the thing that actually goes around your head and goes over your head, protects you, and keeps you nice and warm in the winter. So balaclava, forgive us for butchering it. Now uh, let's get back to it. But it's um, the thing that basically goes over your face and your oh, head yeah, yeah. where like, your, your eyes are just exposed, kind of just pulls over. And um, I like the one that I have a lot. I'm not sure of the brand. Um, mine's
1: Smartwool.
0: Oh, you have a Smartwool one? Yeah. Um, mine's nice because you actually can pull off like the bottom face of it. It's magnetic and it just snaps up. So it's yeah, nice if you need cool. to like just eat or like take a drink of water, you can just pull it down. Um. Again, this is something you're going to be using when it's really cold, probably when you're above tree line or just hanging out and eating lunch or just in the cold and wind. Um, it's made to just completely cover your face. And this combined with my next item pretty much seals up your face entirely. If you're hiking above tree line and it's cold in the winter or just hiking below tree line and it's really cold in the winter, but um, goggles. So this is like my main pair of goggles. If you're going on a really cold day, like when I did the Kinsman's um, pretty much before I broke tree line. I'm throwing on that shell layer. I'm switching on my gloves and my hat for dry gloves and dry hats. Um, I'm putting on my baclava, I'm putting on a heavier smart wool hat. And I'm putting on my ski goggles. So that's to really seal up your face completely. I mean, a lot of people think of goggles is just... It, oh, it's like blocking your face so you can see and stuff, but it really keeps your face warm too. It does. It's keeping any skin yeah. you have minimized, like any skin exposure you have to the cold minimized You want to basically,
1: if you're at the top, you're <laughs> fully exposed on a bald summit, it's windy. You don't want like any skin exposed. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's uncomfortable to have really cold wind blowing in your eyeballs and your eyelashes it legitimately hurts which does happen i mean it it literally um if you haven't hiked in the winter a lot before at least even around here god knows we don't live in the coldest area of like the u.s or the world or anything like that but it gets cold enough on the mountains in new hampshire where your your eyelashes quite literally start freezing up and like if you're wincing or whatever from the wind like i've had it where like your eyelashes are actually kind of stuck together so it gets it gets quite nippy and uncomfortable <laughs> be on your, on your face. And you want to be in a
1: place where you can completely cover your, <laughs> your entire face if you need to. Yeah.
0: So yeah, goggles, I think, um, the company that we just got, what I think was glade that we might've got. Yeah. I really like, those. I goggles. really like these goggles. I'm, I'm going to plug for them a little bit. Um, we I can, we can them.
1: link maybe them to yeah. the goggles. They weren't
0: super expensive compared to like a lot of the sunglass glasses, sort of ski brands like Smith and ones like that. Like they get really expensive really quickly for goggles. Um, but yeah, those have worked well. Um, I already mentioned hand warmers, but I keep hand, extra hand warmers and toe warmers in easily accessible places in my pack. Um, my thought's always that if someone else needed them too, I've got them on me. Mm-hmm. And I always crack a couple and keep them in my pockets and my gloves. Um, just a, ni- a nice trick if my hands are really cold. Like typically, I'll just take off my glove and put it in my pocket and put it on a hand warmer and next to my body and my hand usually warms up pretty quickly. Um, So we're kind of getting down there.
1: Yeah, I am can't, to think if can't read my else. sorry I went off the rails a little bit no. with some of the stuff
0: no um I cannot read my handwriting here <laughs> oh I already mentioned a pad and
1: I always bring my license and insurance card with me too I know that's kind of random but god forbid yeah. like yeah. I don't know I always bring that stuff with me too
0: um okay i deciphered my handwriting because i wrote number two i'm like number two stuff i'm like what is that Uh, and this is poop stuff so i have like basically a trowel and a toilet paper i carry in there this is a year-round thing i carry toilet
1: paper like i said the um the water like wipes yeah are good sometimes too yeah
0: i'll carry that and then i usually carry a little mini bic later for fire starting capabilities um why i carry this is actually and i did a little research because i was like oh it's cool like to have a fire starter flint and people had different things but if you look at like the most reliable thing to start a fire like a lot of surveys online and this this i think was like straight from rei and it was like a mini bic lighter is almost the most reliable thing Girl, you can carry on you like in any situation yeah um i believe that's pretty much mostly it pause podcast hey everybody one more little detail that i'm going to throw in here and that's uh, that I do carry trekking poles or at least a single trekking pole on me with a snow basket and usually affix it to the side of my pack. That uh, is also a pretty crucial thing that I usually take in the winter. Good for stability, good for other situations that you might run into. So just noting that I forgot to mention trekking poles here. Let's get back into it. I think before we get into traction, because this is also a thing that's related in a pack, um, I carry a dry bag full of food. And in the winter sometimes what you want to carry for food is different than what you might want to carry different times of the year. So Definitely. do you want to do you want to kick that off?
1: Yeah, so I'll talk about what I would pack for food hiking in the winter cuz like Nick said like this is different than what I might pack pack hiking in like the fall, summer, spring. Um so for the winter, I try to I like to pack things that aren't going to become hard when they yeah. get cold.
0: Things with of things, things that freeze are going like, to potentially freeze and get really difficult to eat. Exactly. <laughs> or uncomfortable like to eat. Like cliff
1: bars eat. are horrible sometimes. Cliff bars are
0: not good to bring um, in the water. They turn so into rocks.
1: I tend to pack um, granola is a big thing. Trail mix and granola um, are good go-tos because... They tend to kind of keep the same, They even if they get cold, they keep the same consistency as they would when they are not cold. So you're still able to eat them the same way. They're not like more difficult to chew. Um, and I love granola and trail mix because there's so many different varieties. You can get sweet, salty, um, you know, there's so many different kinds, spicy. So you can kind of get whatever tastes you prefer. Mm-hmm. You can mix them together. Um, and they're filling too. And they're also, I like them because they're very easy and quick to just like take a handful and pop it in your mouth. Cause yeah. we've definitely experienced this while well, sometimes when you're hiking, you basically stop just long enough to shove some food into your mouth and yeah. then you keep going because it's just unlike on a warmer day, you're not necessarily going to plop down, yeah, and take off not, your backpack. You're chill not going to want to hang out
0: a lot of times. No. Like you might, you might stop for like five or 10 minutes, but you, if it's like, 10 degrees and there's like a negative 10 wind chill and you're sitting like on a summit like it, you might not even stop on a summit or a very it, odds are in the winter if it's a really nice cold day with really good views like you might very well might want to like stop even below tree line to, to eat food and which find we've a done nice a place bunch, to yeah, down yeah
1: which we've done many times so again granola <laughs> and, and or trail mix are definitely my go-tos because again they're very filling you can pack like a whole bag of them i use a dry bag too to keep my food in um, I'll also sometimes pack like Reese's or candies that like when they get cold, they're still really good and they're still easy to eat. Yep. Those will fill you up. They have the peanut butter in them. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else I might pack in the winter. Yeah. Sometimes um, I'll pack fruit snacks. Yeah. They can be kind that of works. tough sometimes too, but I would say granola and, um, trail mix are kind of like my two go-tos.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, in the winter. you definitely over lap to some stuff i like but i mean typically what i've been taking like this year especially is like Minnie's reese's peanut butter cups mm. i really love them. i'll unwrap them before and just put them in a bag um i really like any sort of like planners like trail mix i've been eating like a peanut butter chocolate one lately or just mixing different ones and then i really like uh jerky so i like either the that's sweet one and thing hot, that we differ on like a one like a i'll buy girl. like a bigger bag of sweet and hot like Jack Link's jerky or if i'm feeling like spurgeon a little bit i'll get the uh, crave jerky they have like a teriyaki pork one, and they have like a black and cherry barbecue. Um, but again, stuff that doesn't really freeze up, like jerky, might get a little harder. But it's nothing like trying to eat a Cliff Bar. Or I've seen sandwich, people do people do a stuff. lot of cool different things in the winter too. Like I, I recently seen people. Some people carry hot chocolate on them, which is kind of cool. Like I want to try carrying a hot thermos of soup or something. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I've never done that either. People
0: carrying sandwiches. Shout out to a friend of the podcast, Mike Trokey, but he actually. Um, Puts a sandwich usually like in one of his his jacket pockets so it actually stays warm and doesn't freeze up. I'll have um, to try that. Which is sometimes cool. I
1: really want a sandwich when I'm liking, but it's yeah. like not always. The I don't best want a frozen, frozen sandwich. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, I want a sandwich popsicle. So that's kind of what I've been carrying lately. I, I like to do granola sometimes too. Um, And I'll also carry like. I have these fruit leathers that I'll get from, like, I forget the company. Um
1: Like, just those dried fruit. Things. Yeah, or, dry,
0: or dried. And I was going to say dried fruit works really well, too, yeah. in the winter, if you like that. Because it's dry. And get creative
1: with it. You can mix stuff together, yeah. make your own. Like, Bring some candy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're just trying to fuel your body, yeah. and it's something that you can eat quick. and.
0: Yeah, and also a worthy consideration is um the packaging that it comes in. Because sometimes... Depending on the bag, like make sure the ziplock on whatever bag you have like works easily because we've been out there before where like you're trying to rip something open and you got like mittens on or whatever and you don't really want to take your gloves off to try to open a bag or do something. Like, I like the open up are, your bags ahead of yeah. time, like have have them ready to go, so that like if you do need to just woof down some food, just
1: like the pull, like this yeah. I don't know the the best way to describe it, but the ones that you can just kind of slide. Yeah,
0: yeah, like we've actually taken stuff out of bags and put it in just the ziplocks with like the slide locks on them just to make it easier on ourselves for when you like want to eat on the trail. Yeah. And we, I know we are talking like there's plenty of mountains and the whites and stuff. And the, like we're gearing it towards the 48 in New Hampshire, but there's plenty that aren't above tree line. But I mean, we've been like, even on Tom field, Willie, like we had a cold enough day where we weren't exposed and it was still just like, we need to just eat some food and like great, great days. Like be easy us.
1: to eat, but it's also going to fill you up. Yeah.
0: Yeah and uh you're also burning a lot more calories in the cold too like even if you're just standing there your body's burning calories trying to keep you warm so it's important to make sure you stop and eat food mm-hmm. even more so than you would in other seasons yeah
1: take little breaks shove some peanuts into your mouth yeah and um
0: right <laughs> shove some peanuts right on in there <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah i have like an osprey i think it's like a five liter dry bag i don't know I have, a, I have a three liter dry bag it's not that big but yeah, that's what i keep but i just kind of just throw all my stuff on my food and that and um and yeah just to cap that all together that's that's what i generally keep in my pack uh, excluding the traction gear that we're gonna talk about in some other gear um but that's what works for us as ash said um one thing i think you do lose with a little bit smaller pack like a lot of people will carry 50 plus liter packs in the winter um is that you really need to strategize maybe a little bit where you're putting stuff in your pack um and kind of how you're putting it. I'll use the netting on my pack too for stuff that I'd maybe want to be as accessible or hip pockets or things like that or clip things on here and there Um, just so I can get at them if I really need to. Because with a bigger pack, it's a little bit easier to open it up and actually...
1: Yeah, like mine, I can open it up and it's like a giant drawstring and I can get things pretty easily. But still... If you're digging to the bottom of your bag for something that you're going to use throughout yeah, the hike, put, you might want to not put, put it the, at the stuff bottom of your bag. put the
0: stuff on the bottom of your pack that you don't think you're going to be using or you hope to. Like not your have extra to use. clothes. Yeah, like my emergency bivy and my med kit is always I always keep that at the and actually my med kit that's probably a stupid idea to do cuz I when I cut myself recently I wish i had band-aids further up. So maybe not your med kit down there but the extra stuff like extra hat and gloves, things like that, I'll put at the very bottom all the way up to like on top of my pack inside is probably going to be like my shell, baklava, like mittens, and like not even food will be on top. Usually, food's kind of at the bottom a little bit. Yeah, I can to dig the for Middle that.
1: bottom. I tend to kind of wrap my dry bag too in like my extra clothes sometimes yeah. too to yep. keep stuff warm. Yep.
0: Cool. Um. Yeah, and I did want to mention just to take it back to the water for a second before we move on to traction, but I just use plain. Uh, Nalgene bottles. There are insulated bottles that we have that have wor- actually worked pretty well and are a valid or alternative to wrapping your water bottles with stuff. Um, but they're also heavier, so that's kind of why yeah, I don't use them.
1: I like how we just use like the Nalgene type bottles because they're, yeah. yeah, they're just much lighter.
0: And always, and this is another thing is that water freezes top down. So if you want to store your water bottles in the winter, just and make sure they're sealed and that they're not going to leak. But um, you want to put your water bottles upside down so they actually st- start freezing from the bottom up. So you got the bottom on the top. That's a good the, point. The water will actually freeze down from the bottom.
1: I don't think I've ever had an issue with water freezing, though. Yeah,
0: it's. Uh, I've only seen it two or three times since I've been out where it's been cold enough for that to happen, and I was out long enough for it to It'll happen. It'll
1: be a little, like, chilled, but...
0: No, when I was on the Kinsman, it was, like, straight up a third of slush by the time I finished. <laughs> so it, it wasn't fantastic feeling. All right. So we went over what we're wearing, what's in the pack. Um, we went over food, what we like to eat for food. Um, and that kind of really just leaves us with traction. Um, and I will I will say the only other thing I have other than traction that I do carry sometimes is a nice axe, which I've only used a handful of times. I used it in the Adirondacks a few times, and I haven't really had to use it too much in the whites. Um, again, I've said in past episodes, I really want to plan on taking a class and using it. I know how to drive it into the ground and use it to sort of position myself and get down from stuff but that's the only experience i have with it um and i think if you pick the right days and maybe this is unpopular but i think a lot of the common routes in the whites and if you do it in good trail conditions on a good day you shouldn't really need an ice axe um it depends that's just what i've seen in my journey so far has there been situations where i definitely could have used an ice axe and i didn't have it for sure see i don't think
1: i've ever been in that situation with you
0: yeah i mean when i was in the adirondacks coming down from phelps and going up and coming down from the wolf jaws i definitely used it just yeah. to like punch in and hold on to deep snow and ice usually in areas where you have nothing else to grab onto. Yeah. trees trees work really well yep. a lot of places but if you're above tree line and you need it like i mean the biggest thing is to stop yourself from sliding across like an ice field say into like king ravine from like mount adams and having been up there this weekend it's it's interesting to imagine when you get the snow like pack like that and if it turned to ice like you're just coming down Adams on the North side. And like, I could see how that could turn into just a sheet of ice and you could literally slide a pretty long way.
1: Oh, another quick thing too. I just <laughs> thought of, cause we talked a little bit earlier about like what to start off in and kind of how to like layer yourself, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I, one thing we do try to do, especially if we're, so when, I guess, when do you want to put on your hard shell? Yeah, This is, this is good to get in the into. Baklava? I can I keep thinking I'm saying it wrong.
0: It's baklava, baklava I think.
1: It sounds like baklava. That's right. it
0: does. Yeah, I said that earlier. I think wrong in the podcast. But anyway, so <laughs> see if I edit that out or keep it. Up.
1: When we st- when we essentially layer up, because you don't really want to layer up on the summit. You yeah, kind of want to.
0: You want to be ready before you're you. You want to layer up prior
1: to getting to the summit. So. Yeah, and
0: we're, we keep saying summit, but even if it's just anywhere on your hike where you know you're going to be in the open, exposed, and you know it's going to be cold. Exactly. You're going to be ex- yeah exposed as yeah, a, a more correct Not necessarily word. just the summit. You're going to be open to the wind more and the elements and cold air.
1: Yeah, so typically when we'll do that is pretty much I would say right w- about when we're right when we're about to break tree line. If we notice that we're coming up yep. on breaking tree line, it's. Always more comfortable and more pleasant and more just easier to layer up when you're still under the trees rather than when you're exposed. Yeah, rather
0: than you're like trying to rip stuff out of your backpack. And you're yeah. Like so that way
1: you can kind of take a minute. You can like get all your stuff out, put all your stuff on, layer up. Um, you know, maybe have a quick something to drink, maybe yeah. a quick thing to eat before you break tree line. So I just wanted to note that's typically when we layer up.
0: Nope. Yeah. That was that was good to mention. So traction. Um, Couple different categories here. I I mean I've delved into them in the past on the podcast a little bit, but this is a whole specific episode on it, so I'll get more specific about it. Um so do you want to explain when you should wear snowshoes and when you should wear micro spikes to people?
1: Uh, sure. It's a it's a hot best. topic.
0: We're not trying to be preachy either. We're trying I'm gonna try to and do it. And trust this in me, the i preachy way possible. I
1: am a um, amateur when it comes yeah, to winter we're hiking. Not, there's
0: people far more experienced than us.
1: I mean Nick is a lot more experienced than me. You know, yeah, given but not, his again, stats not versus com, mine, but not
0: compared to many, many other people out so there. So
1: I'm in this is this is somebody as a I would say like seasoned amateur <laughs> giving this yeah, advice. Yeah, that's
0: fair. That's fair. You've done some hikes and snow. I've done a good variety. And, yeah.
1: yeah. Um. So I would say you want so when trail the trail has been broken out, meaning there's no heavy layers of fresh, recently fallen snow. The trail is packed down. It's broken out. In those situations, your safe bet is typically to wear spikes.
0: And and when we say packed down, we mean that you can actually stand on the trail without breaking through the surface of it.
1: Yes. So when you're standing, you're you're right on top. Yeah. You're, you're not just, going sinking under. Yeah, you're not, your
0: feet aren't sinking a foot or or doing what they refer to as post holing. You're which just is, right on top yeah, of the snow. Yeah.
1: And it's packed down, it's hard, you know. Yep. So in that situation, you know, you're good in, for the most part to wear spikes. You don't necessarily have to wear snowshoes. You definitely still can wear snowshoes, but you don't have to. Yep. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm somebody who absolutely hates wearing snowshoes. Like it's most my- people
0: hate wearing snowshoes. I just
1: hate it. I'd almost rather carry them than have to wear them. I know that sounds silly. Like if I can yeah. take them for a free ride, I would take that any day over putting them on. But, um, and then when you want to wear your snowshoes, it's kind of the opposite situation. So there's a layer of fresh snow.
0: Or, or even just completely fresh snow. Yeah, completely fresh been out, snow. And nobody's been out You do yet. not
1: see any foot tracks or anything. It's completely fresh fallen snow. You, when you step into it, your feet sink down. Yep. Those are the situations where you're going to need your snowshoes.
0: Yeah, and what snowshoes do is they allow you and provide you a little bit more flotation over the snow. So the whole concept behind it is that it spreads out your body weight so you're not sinking as deep into the snow when you're hiking. Um,
1: it's courteous Any others, Anybody so well. that's ever
0: hiked uphill in like two feet of fresh snow or even a foot of fresh snow or even six inches of fresh snow can attest, but it gets very exhausting really quick uh, to do that in bare boots without traction. So snowshoes allow you to kind of do that a little bit more easily. You don't sink in as much. Um, newer snowshoes, um, like the ones I have, and I mean, they're not even that new anymore, but I just mean new in a sense of modern, um, more mountaineering snowshoes will actually have heel lifts or I think they call them televators sometimes. My new ones
1: have that, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they do. But, um, it so. actually allows you to kick up. It's like basically a bar that comes up on your snowshoe and will actually, um, it basically levels out your foot more so that you're not putting as much strain. I believe it would be really your calves that are kind of doing it because when you're actually going uphill. Um, they kinda, I don't think
1: I've ever, if anything, maybe once I've yeah. had to use mine. But
0: um, th- those are kind of a nice little device that if you're going uphill, it makes it just a little bit easier for you to do that if you're in snowshoes. Um, and typically ma- more mountaineering type snowshoes will have crampons actually underneath your feet in them that provide traction. But but yeah, that's that's the general rule is that if the trail's super packed out and you're not going to break through it and it's like a sheet of ice or if it's just really hard packed sn- icy snow, like, you're good to just wear your spikes and stuff, but if it's, like, fresh snow or even if the trail's broken out and kind of looks um, packed, but you start to step into it and you realize, oh, it's, like, pretty loose, powdery snow. It's not very consolidated. Like, you should be wearing snowshoes.
1: Yeah, I think a good rule to follow is if you think you might need snowshoes, you probably Yeah, you probably do. should be wearing. You'll know if you don't need them. Yeah. Like, if you're easily walking over the snow right on top, it's packed down. Yeah. But you'll know, I mean.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and... Like some of the social medias just get crazy with people tearing each other apart over wearing snowshoes or not. But you got to realize in the end, we're all hiking, we're all out there doing the thing. Um, If you're super concerned with people getting hurt in post holes and stuff, I would argue that if you wear snowshoes, it shouldn't really happen that much. I know there's definitely cases of people that have gotten injured by people leaving post holes. Um, I've gone over post holes before, but really quick, a post hole basically is when you're punching through the snow and leaving like maybe a foot to like a thigh deep.
1: Yeah, they can be really dangerous if you don't area see them of coming. snow
0: and um, why they get dangerous is if you have fresh snow fall on top of it after you just post hold up a trail. It just makes the trail a mess. You can't see you might and it makes it probably more likely you're going to roll an ankle or something. The more I'm talking about it more I'm like, yeah, holes kind of suck. A lot of times it just destroys trail because it can freeze over and it just makes it really unpleasant like it's to walk up. Really. I'm just I guess what I'm trying to get across <laughs> is like just realize that we're all hikers and like. Don't like go rip each other's throats out or on on the or whatever equivalent metaphor you want to use for sometimes people who just get crazy on social media with and really preachy about it. Like um just try to use common sense. Like, and if you see someone on the trail that should be wearing snowshoes and they aren't, like maybe just be like, hey, like, do you bring snowshoes with you or whatever? Like, I mean, that I've definitely not done that to people before but seen people yeah, I feel do like that. you
1: can gently recommend like yeah. hey and, uh i see you have yeah. snowshoes on your pack like just so you know it gets pretty you know yeah. deep up there you might want to put them and on people
0: like, like i don't think anybody loves wearing snowshoes i mean it's fun to go snowshoeing <laughs> sometime but it's it's nicer to hike in bare boots or spikes for sure like it's just easier it feels better most people prefer it um so, so yeah that's the snowshoes versus micro spikes that beat it to one positive at this
1: point. thing though about snowshoes especially if you, depending on the brand you have is when you're coming down from the hike if you have snowshoes on they can be really helpful for like the butt sliding yeah that's true so <laughs> important they stuff. have their they have some pros important but stuff. i i overall am a hater of snowshoes
0: yeah um but yeah i think we think we beat that to death enough but anyways if, if the trails just powdery and loose just where you're breaking out wear snowshoes i understand they're expensive and there's probably all sorts of arguments about why people don't want to use snowshoes but generally it's people just don't want to carry them or wear them so yeah they're a nuisance just wear your snowshoes if you got them and you know you should probably wear them like don't be someone post-holing up the trail for three miles and you're also just making yourself do more work for literally no reason it's amazing how many times we've been on trails that are unbroken out and you see like someone made it like pretty far in postholing like knee deep <laughs> it's like i i just don't get it yeah is pain of a, have is i post told before like yeah everybody be, it's everybody way more did. of a pain of a butt like i'll freely admit i went through like a longer section probably than i should have coming down to adams over the weekend where i probably could have put snowshoes on a couple weeks back um we also put snowshoes as soon as we were going up star lake trail and breaking through because we were like we need to put them on. Like we're the first people to break out the trail and go. And
1: it's okay to like not realize it right away. Sometimes you might need to hike a little bit before you realize what you need, but
0: odds are you're either going to get so tired that you give up and put them on if you really need them, or you're just going to exhaust yourself more for no reason when you should just wear snowshoes and potentially get shamed by people. Shame. Shame. Yeah. So uh, speaking of our snowshoes, I have MSR Evo Ascent's, they're the twenty-five inch ones, I believe, which I think are good up to like two hundred and twenty-five pounds, maybe or something. So if they suit me pretty well. I'm not quite small enough to get down to the next size lower. Um, I believe you have MSR Ascents. I think they make a men's and a women's version. I forget, but I think you've got the twenty-two inch ones. If I, I recall yeah, correctly, yeah, I
1: forget. I I'm not good at remembering that stuff. Yeah. I would and have you, to look and them.
0: you used to use a pair of, and actually, we still have your pair of tubs that I think are also twenty-two inch. So no-shoes. the
1: tubs were. You always make fun um, of me. I'm if not I'm sure using, what
0: model of tubs they are, but they're definitely mountaineering ones. Like they have crampons on the bottom of them.
1: They were very, I always say like the word, Nick always teases me, bulky. Bul- bulky. They were, they're bulky. <laughs> they're so, so like, bulky. They're very like bulky and All snowshoes are bulky. No, but these were like extra bulky. Yeah, they're,
0: they're bigger than the MSI. I have for to sure. say
1: though, they were great for butt sliding. That was like the one. Yeah, it could I
0: like sit them. on the tails of them almost. It was like a little down. sled on your feet. Yeah. So that's what we carry for snowshoes. Um, Just just keeping on the theme of like everybody thinks snowshoes are a pain in the ass. But um, such a crux thing in the winter is being able to attach your snowshoes to your pack or having a way to like either a pocket to put them in or a way to strap them on or anything.
1: Not every pack accommodates them as nicely as others.
0: Yeah. I mean, mine's I've definitely seen better packs than mine, but mine like generally works pretty well for strapping on my snowshoes. I usually put them like blade side out and or the sharp side out and like strap them down i'm still able to fit like a water bottle in the pockets or use stuff in the pockets underneath it's not like i'm doing it in 20 like it takes me like a minute or two to get them out and and put them back on um i've gotten better at it but it works for me a lot of people just we used to use bungees actually and just bungee them to our packs when we had other packs that didn't accommodate it as well my gregory one i have a lot of times you can just put it i believe they call it the brainier backpack just the part that goes over the top if your pack's big the enough a lot of times, of yeah, you've never heard that before. No. <laughs> okay. The brain, the top of your pack, but like my Gregory one, I can actually just throw that top brain over it. Or maybe it's not called the brain. I believe it's called the brain. I
1: mean, it makes sense, I guess. Yeah.
0: But you can t- in, in any event, you can throw that top layer over and like put your snowshoes underneath and you can just strap it down. And I've done it with that one before where it just kind of, they just sit on the top of your pack, but bungees usually work. Some people would just glue straps to their packs and like detach them on um bungees worked for us for quite a while um yours has a pocket that's big enough on the back that we can kind of wedge them into that it yeah. worked
1: yeah it does the job yeah
0: yours somehow is supposed to be able to strap down snowshoes but i have not figured it out and i've like watched youtube videos and i just, don't I just have can't the patience. figure it out <laughs> so,
1: yeah, get yeah. they're on. It's i'm like
0: happen. why am i trying to figure it out for you but
1: well, i appreciate
0: it <laughs> you're welcome so yeah that's how we strap them to our packs um and that's the snowshoes we use there's a lot of it. tubs is a really good brand msr um I, I don't know how pricey they are too compared to like other snowshoe brands i think there's like tsl might be another one that i've seen out can
1: you rent snowshoes and you can
0: absolutely rent snowshoes I, was I know gonna say, does like, it. we were just talking about that with yeah my, if, with, if yeah with if, going away we're doing yeah. a
1: trip soon and my sister and um her boyfriend might be yeah. talking about. Yeah. And
0: down. that's a good point. So in the Adirondacks, a fun little factoid is, and I think a lot of people probably know this if you're into hiking, but if you have eight inches of snow in the Adirondacks, you have to have snowshoes on your back. Like mm-hmm. that's just a regulation in like the high peaks. Will I think it's in the high peaks wilderness. I forget if it, it's not that way throughout the entire pat the park, I think. Yeah. Um, but we've been checked coming out of the Adirondack Lodge, like at five in the morning before by a ranger Somebody
1: there, and they're like, Oh,
0: you're packed. You're probably not the trails packed. You're probably not going to need them, but like you're supposed to have them. So, and they yeah. will find you. And I've, I've seen people find in the lot before walking behind us. So it absolutely does happen. Um, yeah. kind of just, I don't know. Yeah. There's regulations and stuff, but anyways, yes. Yeah, pay you can attention.
1: Rent. Like depending on which state you're hiking. Yeah. In, if I mean, there's any, rules and regulations and snowshoes
0: definitely can be expensive i totally get that i mean i'm assuming like rei sells used ones or you can probably find used ones from places or just on facebook sometimes um and yeah um if you can't afford them or you don't want them and you just want to try snowshoes like i highly recommend like renting them i think a lot of ski places rent them up north
1: yeah, I'm sure you can
0: rent them from REI or different or a lot like ski places down here. I think or if you're your somebody who's just
1: going to hike every once in a while and may use them rather than always having your own pair, yeah. you can you know you think it's going to be more cost effective. You could always yeah just rent them.
0: Yeah, and I mean it. It is. I, I. It's probably worth um touching upon too a little bit. Like it is interesting walking in snowshoes. Like I don't recommend like the first time you go snowshoeing or you put your snowshoes on. Don't do it when you like need to wear them and it's powdery snow and yeah. you're like two miles from a trailhead. Do
1: it like I don't wear know. them.
0: Wear them in some snow ahead of time.
1: Yeah, if you can. I know, obviously, yeah. depending on where you yeah. live, that might yeah. not. That might be tough. Or even like try to plan with your trip where like you arrive and you go for a walk in them or something. Yeah, a hopefully bit
0: there's snow around. I mean, I'd say like everything else weather-wise aside like even this year like we had one snowstorm where it snowed five or six inches where presumably you could go out in your yard like we live in southeastern mass so we don't get like a ton of snow compared to a lot of new england but um just to walk around and just get comfortable like or just throw them on at the trailhead before you're gonna actually go out and like wear them before you need to use them i you guess you want to at least
1: put, be able to put them on like yeah that's that's them a whole
0: on. different i mean there's there's different straps and bindings um your MSR snowshoes are newer than mine and they have a little bit newer mechanism for the binding. Um mine are like three or four straps. They go across there. They're kind, kind of a They're lot. kind of not easy to deal with. That's kind of the old school MSR snowshoe style. Um there's snowshoes that have BOA bindings now on them, like almost like snowboard boots or something like that that are really cool. So yeah. something to consider if you're buying, but it, yeah, renting definitely keep that in mind. And even a, I would even recommend too if like just go out and to like a ski place and just go on a snowshoe trail like before you go try to use them on a hike because they yeah. are they're just different to walk in they're a little awkward it's not easy to like just turn around and snowshoes especially shoes.
1: if you're somebody who's never skied or snowboarded before either and yeah. you're not used to having just giant your feet strapped into, into something on your feet yeah
0: especially if it's like going to be for like 15 miles or something
1: well I don't know if your first time wearing snowshoes you'd be going 15 miles I mean maybe. well that's
0: what I'm saying is like don't have it be your first time is like yeah. when you need to use them for that long you'll probably be good at the end of it, but that then you'll be, be pretty pro. used to. It. Um, so yeah, that, that pretty much covers it for snowshoes. I mentioned ice axes briefly. Um, and then we'll get into sort of the three types of traction that I carry. The one thing I don't have yet in my, uh, sort of, uh, quiver of gear is actually full mountaineering crampons. Um, I've heard mixed reviews on people that do have them and carry them. Um, a lot of people that I've talked to have, uh, kind of stood by the fact that Katula K10s are just easier to put on and functionally they kind of will get you through most of what you would want crampons on in the whites that's what I've heard so far anyways Um, I'll probably end up picking up some full crampons one day Um, I've heard that the biggest challenge with them and again this is just hearsay so reach out if you have your own experience with them but is that they're just a royal pain in the butt to put on sometimes (laughs) And when I say full crampons, like I mean like the crampons you see people like doing more. Not that people wear full crampons in the whites, but like this is like think of it like the when you see people climbing Everest, like that's full crampons is like what they're wearing, as
1: crampon as you can get.
0: Yeah, they have toe points on them. They're made. I think the biggest difference from like K tens is they're made to be able to really kick into things like your ice climbing. So like think of <clears throat> the crampons that you wear to like you could kick into a vertical ice face with it and like get traction. So we don't. I don't carry those. So the first one and probably the most common one I think you'll see if you see people hiking is uh, it's Cthulhu Microspikes. Um, They're probably one of the most popular brands. Um, They're the first traction devices that we ever bought. They'll get you pretty far along with snowshoes. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm fighting a cold here and my voice is fading slowly. So Cthulhu Microspikes there's sort of a, uh, for lack of a better term, spikes that are affixed to sort of a rubber gasket that's meant to just fit over your boot, the spiky side and the spiky bit goes underneath your boot, um, and make sure that your spikes are pointed out into the snow. Um, Ash had a incident where we were hiking Marcy and she realized as we were trying to get up to Marcy's summit, that one of her, her spikes, uh, on her left foot i think you were on backwards pointed into the the sole of your boot
1: and believe it or not it didn't hurt yeah
0: it didn't hurt for that long but yeah. um she was noticing she wasn't getting any traction when she was stepping up and i was
1: really panicking i was like what's happening and the
0: basis too of why the sound we didn't notice is like you start hiking in the dark a lot of times in the winter it was probably like five in the morning so we were I just putting them on and half asleep in the dark trying to put them on so she didn't notice but make sure that the spiky end is pointed out into the ground in the snow and not into your boot because otherwise they're not going to do anything. Catulas um, are made of 8 inch stainless steel. It's hardened stainless steel, is what their marketing says. I don't know what hardened stainless steel means. Um, I'm sure there's a technology for that. Um, and it actually has 12 of those little stainless steel spikes. Oh, so those I never are knew digging. Yeah, yeah, well, I didn't until today oh, and well, I yeah. looked it up doing that research for the pod. <laughs> Yeah, so it's got 12 of those 38 inch hardened stainless steel spikes. Um, I tend to use the the next option a little bit more than Cthulhu's. I'll use Cthulhu's more now in the spring and shoulder season hiking. Um, my main spikes that I've been using since I bought them probably three or four years ago are Hill Sound Trail Crampons. Hill Sound is the brand. Um, they make crampons and all sorts of variations, as does Cthulhu. Cthulhu makes like nano spikes and all these different exo spikes, kind of different actually sizes of spikes that's really the biggest difference between them and made for different situations like you're you're not going to go running around the neighborhood and if it's icy and katula micro spikes like it's going to really hurt your feet like that's yes. my point for three-eighth inch kind of thing this isn't like yak tracks like, i don't
1: think i've ever worn micro spikes not hiking yeah
0: you're not going to wear them and they're, they're very uncomfortable generally to wear on rock in solid surfaces which ends yeah. up beating up your spikes too which is something i'll talk about but um, Hill Sound Trail crampons, a little bit more robust than Cotula micro microspikes. These actually are two-thirds of an inch carbon steel spikes, and there's 11 of them. So there's one last spike, but they're two-thirds of an inch versus three-eighths inch. So they're a little bit bigger. Um, similar mechanism to how the Cotula micro microspikes, it just rubber gasket fits over your boots, chains on the bottom. The spike parts actually have more of a plate, though, whereas Cthulhu's are sort of just chained together. Um, it's a little bit more rigid under your foot. And I just find them again to just be a little bit more heavy duty. Um, And one thing I did want to mention with spikes briefly is a lot of people that hike in the whites are just different areas where you end up with shoulder season snow. Um, And what I mean by that is like you might have one snowy area and then it gets rocky and then it gets dirt and then it gets snowy again. Or like this year in New Hampshire, we experienced that in December because we had a deluge of rain that wiped out all the snow. Um, But... When you're walking on rock and paint or like just like pavement, like you're going to be walking around a parking lot when you're walking around on rock and ground and stuff, um, you're going to wear down those spikes a lot more than if you're walking in ice and snow. So a lot of people will carry sort of a pair of your shitty spikes, like your rock spikes, and they'll call them rock spikes because you don't care if you walk on rocks with them like they're going to get you past in some icy situations and they're more beat up when you want your ultimate traction like this is i just started really doing this is like i'll i have a newer pair of spikes that i have just been using if i know it's going to be icy and like be good all day and actually i haven't really broken those out much i used them on the kinsmans because i knew it was going to be super icy Yeah. um that was really it and even then i i was very careful just to make sure i used it on ice and snow and i wasn't using on rock um my older rock rock spike hill sounds now like i use those on franconi ridge and like they're on a pretty bare day in december and like they got really beat up like i noticed yes. coming back down later that day like they're just not as sharp as they used to be like if you're going to be going up sheets of ice on the trail you want to make sure you have spiky stuff and things that's going to dig in
1: so. And you can't like sharpen
0: you can, can so you? yeah you can oh. actually sharpen them because we've never done that i've never done it um i've you're talked to a couple of people who have device
1: right like a certain device yeah like
0: it? like a basically just like a something to sand them down with and oh. kind of sharpen them i okay. mean people do it it's, I, I've never done it. Maybe one day I'll try it, <laughs> but, uh, I don't, I don't know how well it works because ultimately like they are getting worn down. Like the metal is literally yeah. wearing down I mean, maybe things. just
1: to kind of like buy you some time until you get new ones, maybe. Yeah. But
0: yeah. I don't know. Um, and the Hill sounds also have sort of Velcro straps that. They're supposed to stop them from disappearing in the snow, but I lost one on Moose Lock, uh two years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. when I was post tolling through a I've never lost a,
1: spi- uh, a spike before. Yeah. a micro spike.
0: So or... if you find those up there, I-, I felt more bad that I left them there. But yeah, I didn't notice. I didn't notice for a while. They kind of just got sucked off. It-, it was like a very small area of snow where it was kind of deep. Like it wasn't worth putting our snowshoes on. And I realized probably like a mile after we went to that point that it was gone that kind of sucks. you
1: kind of forget about them too it's not like with snowshoes where i feel like you're very aware of them during the hike i feel like you almost kind of get used to having them on especially if you're walking a pretty icy yeah if you're walking
0: on snow or whatever you're not even going to notice after a while snowshoes you very much notice that you have them on yeah these definitely are less noticeable yeah micro spikes don't really weigh much i probably should notice that like you're not going to like it's not going to bog you down like snowshoes are no no yeah So the last and kind of most aggressive thing that I carry, and I've only used these really a handful of times. I've, I've carried them on me a few times this year, just because of how icy it's been. Um, but they're Ketula K10s. So K10s are sort of this hybrid between almost like trail crampons and full mountaineering crampons. Um, these are made up of 10, three quarter inch I, think it's crom- I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's Cromaly steel or C is like C-H-R-O-M-O-L-Y steel, Cromaly steel, um, right. write in or comment people if you know how to pronounce that. I'm assuming it's just another type of steel that's supposed to be very durable, but those are three quarters of an inch spikes. It's so interesting I, how yeah. there's
1: like one less spike each time as they, yeah, I like- didn't
0: notice that until you kind of mentioned that it's actually uh-huh. a valid point. Um. So there, these are like the most aggressive spikes I carry. I believe full mountaineering crampons will get up to spikes like an inch long. So that's the biggest trend is that the spikes get bigger. Um, they're sense. made to dig more into snow and ice and give you more traction. Catula K tens. Um, I've thrown on when we were in the Adirondacks or when I did the Wolf Jaws and did Phelps because in this is like literally like when you're going up very very icy, like you really need to dig in ice and snow situations um, enough that I was like uncomfortable and didn't feel like I was getting enough grip with the two thirds of an inch spikes that, uh, that the Hill Sound trail crampons had. Um, they, these fit on kind of a little bit differently than the other two. There's not a rubber gasket. It's actually just sort of a, a buckle strap that actually fits over your foot. And then there's a leaf spring on the bottom of them that actually lets you adjust the toe and the heel portions to the size of your boot. So you kind of adjust that and line it up. And, um, then you kind of just buckle them down and over and it's sort of made so your your foot's a little bit independent from where your ankle is um and yeah the bottom line is just more aggressive spikes so made to dig into like straight up ice situations where the other spikes just aren't going to cut it um like i'll usually say like they call it like boilerplate ice but this is like ice that's like just a ima- very thick hard ice like it's not going to break a park apart when you step on it or anything like it's, like it's a just a
1: frozen south. pond or something
0: yeah yeah equivalent like that um so I think that kind of really, that rounds out. I mean, that's pretty much all the hiking gear that I carry. Um, yeah, I yeah. yeah, I think I mentioned one thing. I don't think I actually mentioned my normal headlamp that I always carry. I mentioned a backup headlamp, but I have yeah. a, my normal headlamps, like a black diamond, maybe like 350 or 400 lumen lamp, I think. I really like that one, too, because it actually tells you how much battery life is left on the side. I think a lot of the I'm sure a lot of headlamps do that, but I like that.
1: Yeah, it's a nice feature.
0: Yeah, I I always have that on me in the winter. And a lot of times if you're waking up early to hike once it's like October, November around here, like you're going to be hiking in the dark if you want to get an early start. So,
1: yes. Yeah, I always pack two headlamps, too. I have the same ones. That you yeah. have, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you do. I think you just got two of the same ones yeah. for each. Yeah, um, I think
0: our our backup ones are like gear light or some off brand, and then our nice not ones are black diamond ones.
1: I guess nice is the yeah. ones that. W- yeah, I don't think there's anything else. Because yeah, I always pack two headlamps. I have the katula micro spikes and the um Hill Sound, Hill Sound, Hill Sound micro ones. spikes. I don't have the K10. No,
0: you have K. You have K10. I do. Yeah, I bought you a pair of those. As you can you have see, never, I haven't used have them You have never used them, but yeah, you I'm have a little, K-10s. Um,
1: I'm a little rusty with the winter hiking.
0: Yeah, you have K-10s.
1: Okay, I have K-10s.
0: Cool, so hopefully this was useful. If you have any questions or suggestions, comments, or whatever, um, we're still obviously learning a lot about hiking. I think there's always something to learn in winter hiking, and we certainly are not the most experienced people out there. So if there's something we mentioned that you disagree with, or you're like, oh, you should be doing this, feel free to let us know and uh, know what you think. Hopefully, for people that really haven't gotten out at ever ever winter hiked, especially in New England before, hopefully this is pretty useful. Gives you a pretty good overview. Um, and again, I think I just would want to mention too, like when we're mentioning how cold it is and stuff, like we're not trying to be intimidating or like deter you or anything, but just know it, it gets seriously cold up in the White Mountains in the winter. Like it gets, it gets uncomfortably cold. And I mean, it, the cold kills people up there, literally unfortunately, uh, like almost every year, so whether it's someone a hiker or a skier or whatever like unfortunately it it happens so like just be prepared um know what you're doing i i don't recommend. Like your first winter hike, don't go up to like Mount Washington or like do something like that on a, on a crazy day
1: no, start with something that's gonna be or
0: or if you do below go- tree line I maybe. mean or, or if you do like go out there's some guiding services out there nowadays um like red line guiding out of the whites and stuff where they do classes and they do alpine classes I mean i I'd freely admit like I'd love to take a bushwhacking class and learn a little bit more about. Alpine climbing with ice axes and crampons and stuff like that. Like that's something that I do plan on doing in the future, whether it's through a guide service or the AMC or whatever. Um, But some great winter hikes to start out, like Mount Willard and the Whites, a lot of the 52s that are sheltered are really good first winter hikes. Mount Pierce, I always say, I think it's probably one of the best first winter hikes you can do
1: if you want to do a 4000 Good bang for your buck, for sure. It's not
0: super intense. It's sheltered until like 0.2 miles from the summit. It's very easy to duck back below treeline, and it's not very disorienting. I think that's a great peak. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And definitely, too, like... Don't go by yourself for your first yeah, winter hike, yeah. ideally.
0: Go with someone
1: somebody who's ideally, ideally done it before. Yeah,
0: someone that's been out there before. Um make sure you pack layers, don't get too sweaty. Pack some tasty food to encourage you to keep going and uh fill you up and keep and that energy level high. A
1: delicious meal yeah. for when you
0: and, and make sure you stay hydrated another thing that a lot of people don't realize in the winter is a lot of times you'll actually lose even more moisture than certain days in other seasons because That's a good point. the air is so dry that every time you breathe you're losing moisture yeah a little and you bit don't more always quickly
1: feel as thirsty yeah as you do when it's hot yeah,
0: a lot of, no. of times you're not feeling like drinking you're water. that you're so you so sometimes, I know are. personally, like I have to force myself to drink water sometimes. Me too, especially and I'm, in the winter. And I mean, again, in just because you're in the winter doesn't mean you're not going to get like incredibly mild days like that happens. Oh,
1: yeah, you can get freakishly. Warm-aged. I
0: mean, you also can have days in November or, or even October in the whites where it's freezing cold and like nasty, and it might as well be winter. So I mean again that's why i say it's really tough to say like we're saying calling this like winter gear but this is probably more like my november like i've been carrying what i've been carrying in my pack probably since about mid-november when i went out and did middle sister and chakura um, in the snow and stuff so that's kind of like it's just used common sense when you're transitioning and keeping stuff in your pack if you think there's a chance you're going to see ice and snow just throw in my Katula micro spikes or something mm-hmm. it's better to have again them they're very them. light they don't take up a lot of space no. in your pack yeah um so yeah, hopefully uh, people found this useful. We finally got it out. I know we're like approaching quickly halfway through calendar winter here, but hopefully this will be sort of an evergreen thing. Um, I know there's always sort of new technology and new sort of materials coming out and what people are using hiking, but that's what works for us right now. And uh, if you get into winter hiking, have a, have a safe trip. Hopefully uh, have fun out there. A lot of times uh, there's way better views in the winter because of less moisture in the air. Definitely less people out on the trails for the most part.
1: For sure. Yeah.
0: Um I think most people you encounter to in the winter um tend to be I don't wanna say this sounds like snobby. I don't wanna <laughs> say like serious hikers the that's real a, hikers. Yeah, go the in real winter. Hikers, no, <laughs> that's not what I was trying to say. But it, when you're out there in the winter and you're starting early in the morning, people tend to be very passionate about those things. You're not going to meet people who don't love hiking. And people
1: are going to be looking out for you and looking out for are If
0: you're headed out to the Northern Presidentials in the winter, odds are like you're working on your winter 48 or your grid or you're up there to really just get an, an epic view. So people are very passionate and tend to be very passionate hiking in the winter especially on cold days um i find that there's more camaraderie out there inherently when you cross only like when i did the kinsman's like each person i I only saw two people but we talked for like a probably solid five or ten minutes and just checking in on each other and being like hey like because we you know like you know if it's a cold day and you're alone like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's nice to check in on people and make sure people are doing good so yeah all right well thanks ash for sitting in We'll yeah, probably have a few more of these. Hopefully uh, we're actually on the eve of when Mr. Josh was supposed to become a dad again for the He's second time. He's
1: become a dad tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be tomorrow. Well, tomorrow, when this is out, he will yeah. already be a dad. But yep, he will. At the time of the recording, be he'll unless, be a dad tomorrow. Unless I
0: return this uh, really quickly, I don't think and that's going to happen.
1: And Mel will be a mom, and Jeremiah will yeah. be a big brother. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we wish them the best. And uh, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you next time. You can, you can listen to us next time.
1: <laughs> and we will link some of the things that we discussed. Yeah, I don't Washington. know how to do that, but we'll figure out yeah, how to link stuff. Okay. So you guys have some stuff to work I, off of.
0: I think I can figure that out. So yes. we'll be good to go. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye. Pud's podcast was produced and recorded in Black Cat Studios by the Pud Boys. Find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed, please consider leaving us a review and subscribing. Find us on social media, and we'll see you next time.